Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's Siddle. He's got We are back for another episode of Two Slips and a Gully, bringing you fantastic cricket news and cricket stories. I'm only joined by Glenn today. Hi, Az. How are you going? I'm pretty good. Doing a lot better than Gary, it seems, who couldn't be with us. He's a little under the weather. So shout out to Gary. I'm sure he'll be listening as soon as I put this online. It's, it's a regular flu or something. Yeah, just a regular flu. Just to be clear. I think he's just a, he's just a little soft. He needs to just go buy concrete from a local hardware store and uh, he should be fine. Yep. Um, in this week's episode, we are going to fire up the time machine again. We haven't fired it up since we went back and visited Hooksy. Um, but yep. we're going to fire it up again. We're going to take it back to 2005 and have a look at the ICC Super Test debacle yeah. That happened between when Australia took on the World Eleven for some ODIs and a six-day test match. Um, spoiler alert: it didn't go six days. Yeah. Um, we have also got uh, a rant coming up where we're going to be talking about some unnecessary stoppages in the game, and yeah. our local cricket hero is someone very dear to our hearts, and um, he's. Probably not going to be a listener because, in his own words, he said, if I just wanted to listen to you guys talk about cricket, I'd come hang out with you at the pub. But uh, maybe we should give him a shout-out and tell him we should listen to this one because he's on it. We're going to do uh, Simon. Simon is our local cricket hero. so he's, Genuine um, legend. Genuine legend of, uh, of our club. and just There's no irony around. this time. No, no irony. This is, this is all going to be Maybe positive. a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to stick it into him just a little bit because yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't listen to a podcast as much as he should. So, yeah, exactly. but, um, but yes, lots of positive stuff there. And all of that will be coming up right after this. So, Glenn, like we talked about in the intro, we're going to fire up the time machine and head back to the summer of 2005, where yeah. we're going to explore. Um, 
what was a, a, a bit of an audacious plan by the ICC to have the uh, the World Eleven take on Australia. It was it, a sign of the times, wasn't it? Oh, well, it wasn't really. We were just reeling from a shock defeat in the Ashes against England. So Australia's mm. probably feeling the worst it's felt about cricket in quite a while. Yeah. And then they uh, they tee us up by, oh, feeling a bit down on yourselves? Well, take on the best players in the world. Well, the best ones that aren't injured anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they fired it up. It was, it was a really interesting sounding concept. I remember I was 15 at the time going, this is going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to have a hard summer ahead of us. Three ODI matches against some of the best players in the world. And then um, at the SCG, we were scheduled to take on the World Eleven in a super test. So it was a six-day test match was the idea behind it, yeah. which, um, yeah, it was just to make sure there was absolutely no chance of a draw. And um, They should have given the World Eleven more than ten wickets. <laughs> some of them could bat twice. <laughs> it's 19 for 126. <laughs> Well, yes, as we'll go back and explore, we'll find out just uh, exactly how unneeded that sixth day was. So uh, we'll fire the time machine up, and um, 2005, here we come. Here we are, 2005, Australian cricket landscape is in shock from uh, a a defeat over in England at the hands of the old enemy. We've just given away the ashes for the first time in what seems like forever. And um, here we are getting set for a a World Eleven. So um, when they set that up, we probably wouldn't have been beaten for a number of years, though, like in a test series. Yeah, we were... Like, because I assume that they would have had to have scheduled this World Eleven before we lost the Ashes. Oh, um, you would imagine so. Yeah, um, but that was that kind of describes the landscape we're in here, where Australia have just been winning everything. Well, that, so the the squads were announced on the twenty third of August two thousand and five. Were the were the original ones? So yeah, so you're right. It would have been a. We would have been at the top of our game and they would have had brought thought of this plan. We're not going to host uh, uh, a test nation this summer. We're going to bring out the very best to take on Australia because yeah. the, they're the juggernaut that just hasn't been stopped in quite a while. Yeah. Um, and they had quite a, a savvy uh, a savvy panel of selectors. They had Sunil Gavaskar from India, uh, Mike Atherton, uh, Sir Richard Hadley, Sir Clive Lloyd, Jonty Rhodes and Aravinda De Silva were the uh, made up the selection panel. That's a lot of cooks though. Mm. Like... Um, not, 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 you know, a lot of chiefs, a lot of different ideas about who should be in that side. Um, yeah, you're right. So uh, I would imagine that there would have been, they would have come together to, to come up with a fairly cohesive 11. I think what we, when we were looking at this, the thing that we thought was probably the most telling, especially for the test match was just the lack of genuine bowling. They went very batsman heavy. Yeah. Um, when we look at the results of that, it's actually quite surprising that uh, the um, that they went the way they did, considering the caliber of batsmen they had in that side. Well, yeah, just go through the the players there if you can. So the world eleven for the the test squads were Graham Smith, uh, Mark Boucher, Rahul Dravid, Shoab Akhtar, Andrew Flintoff, Steve Harmison, Inzamam Al Huck, 
Shark Callis, Brian Lara, Mutayami Rulitharan, Sean Pollock, Verinda Savag, and Daniel Vittori. Um, it should be noted that Tendulka was originally picked in this side, but uh, had to re- withdraw due to injury and was replaced with Inzamar Mohawk. Yeah. Um, and the one-day international squad I've got here as well. So was uh, Sean Pollock, Kumar Sangakara, Shahid Afridi, Shoab Akhtar, Rahul Dravid, Flintoff, Chris Gale, Jacques Callas, Brian La, Retire Murilithran, Makai Rantini, Kevin Peterson, Verinda Savag, and Daniel Vittori. Um, Herschel Gibbs was in the squad and had to withdraw due to injury as well. So, um, yeah, so there, there was a couple of injuries in there that took place. But as you can see from that, there wasn't a, a great deal of genuine bowlers in that test squad. So they, they yeah. um, and as we'll, we'll when we go to get to the test, we'll talk about it, but they only ran in with a, uh, with a bowling lineup of Harmison mm. as a genuine quick. Flintoff and Callis were the other two quicks they carried, and they went in with Vittori and Murilitharan. Yeah, their- and they, they went in with players who um, had very good records overall, but not necessarily good records in Australia. I think that would have been a, a, a real factor. I mean, like, we know what Harmison – like, Harmison has not bowled the Harmison ball yet, mind you. Yeah, so Harmison's fresh off – bullying the Australian well, Flintoff and Harmison are fresh off bullying the Australian batsmen over in England. So Yeah. Um, I, I could understand the the Flintoff selection, but if you look at Harmison, he, he didn't play well away from home, let alone Australia. Um so yeah, I, I can understand the um the picking of him, but if if you're gonna pick anyone from that lineup that beat us in 05, you would want Simon Jones. Um he was probably injured, if I'm <laughs> thinking back. I don't believe so, but um, mm. they just ended up going with him. I suppose Harmison was the one that bowled that ball that got uh, uh, Kasparovic out as well. So yeah, have a very good series uh, against us over in England. So um, yeah. and and Murley as well. You know, like if if you look at his stats in Australia, they they. You know, he's Mur- Murley has a catastrophic average in Australia, considering mm. what he's done to the rest of the world. Yeah, he, I think it's mid seventies. He averages in yeah. Australia. It is, it is ghastly when you look at just how badly he's bowled. Yeah, I'm in just, Australia. I mean, I'm just thinking about they they left out some pretty quality players. You know, like Kumble um, and I don't know. Say Mackay and Teeny probably would have been available at that time. Well, and Teeny was picked for the ODI team, but wasn't considered yeah. for the Test squads. Mm. So the only the only quicks that they had in the in the Test squads were um, hang on, where did I have it? So they had um, Actor. Oh, they had Actor, and they had Pollock was another player they had available in the Test squad who you know. You suppose you consider as a bit who, of an all rounder as didn't well. Play. Who didn't? And those are the players that didn't play. So yeah, um, yeah. So they they went very batting heavy. They had Boucher at eight, I believe, with how far down they went. So yeah. and then Vittori at nine, who's batted at five for New Zealand before. So mm. a lot of batting in that side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of all rounders. Um, you got Callis, you got Vittori, Flintoff, Flintoff. Yeah, that's three all rounders. Um, yeah, I mean, like that's in a, 
in a sort of medium where traditionally your your specialists thrive. You know, you you pick your best six bats, and you pick your four best bowlers, and you you go with a with a good wicket keeper or a guy who can bat a bit. Yeah. So <laughs> um, was, um, then again, it was at the SCG. So. Yeah, so well, Australia went with two spinners for the SCG as well. We ran with McGill and Warren. So obviously it was a wicket that was turning a bit. But yeah, um, yeah it was just, just surprising. So we'll get we'll get to the game. So um, I'm sure when the ICC put this together, they assumed they were going to have a very um, uh, well-rounded, close, tight-knit contest. And uh, unfortunately, it never at any point panned out to be that. So the first ODI... Um, was Australia won the toss, batted first. They put on 255-8 in 50 overs. Um, and it wasn't an overly flowing um, innings for Australia. Simon Kadich top scored for us, opening the batting with 58. Um, but we knocked over the World eleven for, uh, for 162 in 40 overs. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Shane Watson was in that squad. He took four, three for forty-three. He was one of probably that would one of have been destroyers. very early on. I I think very early on in his career. Very early in his career. So he was still um, considered a bowling all rounder at this point because I'm pretty sure he bowled. He batted at eight in that side. So yeah. Um, so if we have a look at at the squads for the, for the Australian squad for that game. They had Gilchrist and Kadich opening the batting, Ponting, Martin, Simons, Clark, Hussey, Watson, Lee, Bracken, McGrath. That's a strong side. <laughs> we didn't even we didn't even go into that game with a genuine spinner. So right. yeah. Um, yeah, Simon's just, just bowling his offies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Maybe. Lee took two, McGrath took two, Bracken took one, Watson took three, and Simons took one. So yeah. very well-rounded. But, I mean, Bracken was really good in the, the short form as yeah, well. Yeah, Bracken, like, Bracken was underrated as a short-form cricketer. Yeah. Doesn't nearly get the uh, kudos that he deserves. He was very good. And he sort of timed his career at the sort of back end of that, you know, 250 is a very, very, you know, winnable score. And then into that realm where 300 was par, he sort of – yeah. Just timed his career in that sort of intermediary bit, so um, and he did sort of adapt his game. He kind of went that way because he was representing Australia and and bowled a lot more cutters. Whereas early in his career, he was um, swing, yeah, yeah, swing bowler around one thirty. Um, so the second ODI, uh, not much better to be honest. Australia went out and scored three hundred and twenty-eight for four fifty overs. Um, the batting worked a lot better for the World Eleven, uh, but still they were all bowled out for 273 um, in 45 overs. So um, Gilchrist scored a, a, a dashing 100, uh, 103 off 79 balls. Contributions all through. Kadich 47, Ponding 66, Martin 54. Uh, Simon scored a, a 14 ball 31. Uh, <laughs> Clark scored a runner ball 17. Um, Gale, and then in response, Gale scored uh, a quick fifty. Uh, that, that was one of the highlights of of the series, I think. Um, watching a watching Gale score that fifty. Yes, it, well, it was a quick fifty. It was eight fours and a six in it. Um, yeah. Sankakara had a really good innings too. Uh, he was sixty one or forty four. He got run out. 
Um, Flintoff had a bit of a rear guard action, 42 off 50. But, yeah, again, like that's Gale, Savag, Sangakara, Callis, Lara, Dravid, Flintoff, Peterson, Pollock, Vittori. Um, like there's a lot of batting in that, and it just it never yeah. just seemed it never fired. Um, mm. which was which was surprising because they're all very good one day international players. I mean, Keith Peterson was at the beginning of his career, but um, he'd certainly made made a mark in the short form already. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the last ODI. Um, so the series has already been one two nil. Australia two hundred and ninety three for five and fifty overs and bundled out the world eleven for one hundred and thirty seven in just twenty eight overs. Mm. So yeah, I mean that one stings. It's that, certainly that, that's, even, that's that's embarrassing when you <laughs> represent a world eleven and you yeah you get rolled for less than one fifty. Um, Savag top scored with thirty seven. Um, Lara, Callis, Gale. Combined scored two. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just Watson took forfa in that game. Watson and Lee destroyed both those. Uh, uh, both took forfa and just ripped the ripped the heart out of that um, that World Eleven side. And I think that was really surprising. That would not have been what they thought, especially considering the players that they picked for that side. They wouldn't have been thinking that um, that they would have been rolled. They may have thought they would have been two pretty high scoring games, mm. um, you know, in excess of 300, you know, sort of dying overs, chasing out. I don't imagine they would have thought that um, that their team would have yeah. been dismissed. Well, do you, do you think all maybe, out three uh, times in three games? Why, why do you think they, they failed as a side then? Like it was it because, you know, when you, when you're throwing a world 11 team together, you're not thinking of, in, in say the fifty over form, you're not thinking of guys who can uh, salvage a, a score. You know, like say Shanderpaul, you know, would have been overlooked for that. Um, you know, more a grafter traditionally, more more a fighter. Whereas the other guys used to being the stars, maybe. Possibly, yeah. Too many egos in that side. But we're looking at that. That's a fairly well put together side. You've got your uh, dashing openers in Savag and Gale. They're in their right position. Yeah. Sangakara typically bats at opening the batting or at three, um, and yeah. he's batting at three. Callus uh, again is that sort of more temperamental guy at four that can come yeah. in and sort of steady the ship. So he's sort of in that right sort of position. Then you've got um, dashes in in Lara and Flintoff. Um, but batting at five and six. Five is too low for Lara, but you just can't. I suppose you can't get him any higher. Um, I, I would have switched him with Callis, actually. Dravid at seven is probably the uh, the odd one out. Dravid's probably not a guy at the end of the innings you want finishing it off. But Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Pollock and the, the bowlers. Shahid Afridi mm. batted at ten in that one, which is probably <laughs> too low for, for Shahid Afridi. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Although, oh. to, be, to be fair, it was all over in the 28th over, so Afridi... Had plenty of time at his disposal, so probably could have been something they could have bumped him up the order. Maybe I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like there's, players, there's maybe that yeah, that feeling of of too many, too many stars. It could have been a feeling too that these guys. I don't know. I don't want. To, they're all consummate professionals, and they're obviously out to win cricket games. But I suppose when you're when you've got your your country's badge on your chest and you're in with your regular teammates, you tend to to take it more seriously. There could be this sort of thing that uh, yeah. you know, that's a bit of a I don't want to say hit and giggle, but it might have just the edge might have been taken off because they're not representing their country. Yeah. Whereas yeah, Australia, 
was really revved up. They, um, you know, they were coming off an Ashes loss. They've now got the the best in the world thrown at them, and they just wanted to do anything they could to prove that, um, you know, they were still the alpha dogs of the world, and and they yeah, certainly achieved that. It's possible that they yeah they just weren't taking it as seriously as they could have as well. Like traditionally, like these World Eleven sides, you know, it's it's been kind of TV kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and b- before anyone sort of gets on there and suggests that I think that the World Eleven were, you know, having a bit of a laugh about it, by not taking it seriously, I'm saying that if you're playing for your country, you're playing at 110. These yeah. guys might have been playing at 98. Yeah. You know, just that mental edge there just quite well, isn't it's, quite It's just there. hard to work out, isn't it? Because it's, it's, not like, it's not like rugby league where you want, you, you got all those combinations and they have that, that problem when you get to origin level where you've got to put a side together in whatever it was, you know, mm. two weeks. Um, you know, like cricket is still a, a relatively individual sport. Especially batting. You still need to go out there and, and, and score runs and yeah. you know, occupy the crease and it sort of doesn't matter really who's at the other end. You still... Yeah. If they just blown them out through the bowling, you know, like you could kind of understand, you know, like maybe the captain's... Not using his bowlers yeah, the way they should like, be used. Or what they're used to, you know, they, they've got bowling plans that, that they like to do with, say, England, and they just can't... They, the, the, the captain's not getting that. Yeah, you could understand that, but when it's when it's the batting that really failed him, it's sort of like, why? <laughs> why? You know, in three... You, you could... In three um, innings for ODIs, they didn't they didn't hit once really. Mm. And then they, yeah, in two of those three innings, they failed to crack two hundred, which yeah, you know, is two thousand and five is late enough that yeah, you know, two fifty crack two hundred. Yeah, two hundred is not one of those par defendable scores by that time in two thousand and five. Two hundred is your you know cruising for an early night sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Um, then we get on to the test match. So this was the one that they they uh, made a lot of a song and dance about. Is they made it a, they called it the super test, and um, it was to to go for six days to ensure that these you know batting heavy teams could could force a result. Um, and as it was, I'm pretty sure it was finished by lunch on day four. So yeah, um, it was and and to be honest, well, I was a little. I remember watching this as a kid before I looked up all of the stats and thinking that um, I knew that Australia won comfortably. Like, with the the, the yeah. game was never really... I don't remember there being much tension in the game. Um, and I kind of attributed that to that we went and scored a whole heap of runs in the first innings and rolled them cheap in the in their batting re- reply. But looking at this, we were knocked over all out for uh, 345, which, you know, if you ask... Most nations coming out to play Langer, Hayden, Ponting, Martin, yeah, those sort of guys. That era team, I reckon, if you went to most Test nations in the world and said, "We're gonna," now because we were all out in ninety overs too. So if we said we're gonna take day one off you, you can bat, come back and bat tomorrow, and Australia's only gonna have three forty-five on the board. I reckon most teams would go. You know what? Bowling first in Australia. Yeah, all right. We'll we'll pass up bowling first to make sure they only get three forty five. Like if you spot yeah. you spot most most nations three forty five at against that era Australian team, I reckon most teams take it. Yeah, so it's yeah, not like a, it's not like Australia put on this gargantuan. If it was score. a normal team, three fifty 
is is about par. Yeah, you feel par in the first innings. Um, but yeah, that that Australian team would have wanted at least four hundred for sure. They would have expected four hundred. Such was their um, their quality. So their their bowling did it did a pretty good job. To be to be fair, um, just looking at the wicket takers here. So Flintoff took four. Four for fifty nine. He was the pick of the bowlers again. He was at the top of his game. The um the spinners who um they were brought over specifically to do a job. Muralitharan actually had a pretty good return considering his normal average was two for one hundred and two. So it was a twenty run improvement on his normal average. Oh really? Um, so he averaged fifty for that innings. And Vittori took one for seventy three, going at four runs and over. So. Um, they got a hold of him. Uh, Callis, funny enough, only bowled seven overs as their their third quick. So both their opening quicks, Harmison and Flintoff, bowled eighteen overs each. Yeah, and then um, forty seven in forty seven of the ninety overs were bowled by spin. Yeah, I yeah i i would have I would have definitely probably put Shoaib in there. Like I think I I think in hindsight the- being twenty twenty, but. You, you look at that side and it, it's not balanced, is it? I think looking at this lineup, so you've got Smith, Savar, Dravid, Lara, Callis, Inzamam, Flintoff, Boucher, Vittori, Harmison, Muralithran. I think realistically what makes way is Inzamam makes way and you bring Akhtar in as that extra firebrand quick, the guy that can get... Like, obviously, there was a little bit in the pitch. Flintoff is the guy that unsettled Australia with pace yeah. and bounce, and he took four for, for the first innings. So, um, but he did so as an all-rounder and, yeah. a, and a fourth seamer, you know. So um, I, I think, the, yeah, you're right. The balance of that side is probably a little out. Well, you look at that. They had one, two, three, four, five, six. Flintoff at seven, Boucher at eight, um, and then Vittori at nine. So you got Inzamam batting at seven. Yeah, I think you'll probably find that um, Shoabakdar's record in Australia is a, a little better than some of those guys as well. Mm. You, you want that pace anyway. Yeah. like <laughs> Can't teach pace. Yeah, imagine having a guy who runs in and, and just bowls 150 and just going, you're on the bench, mate. Especially <laughs> considering that it was such a, a, a spin-friendly wicket that you wouldn't really have to worry about his workload. He could come in and bowl those three, four-over spells and just mm. really just fire in, unsettle the bats, knowing that yeah. you've got Muralitha and Vittori in there that will just bowl, yeah, and bowl and bowl. Or you've it. got you've got Callis as well. He's he's gonna, you know, he yeah. Well, Callis was unused. He, 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 he deserves sl- to bowl more overs in that lineup. Yeah. You know, he he is one of our the greatest all rounders of our generation, at least, if not all time. Maybe so, per, except for Gary Sobers, forget about that guy. <laughs> um, so then we get to the our returning. So um, Savarg opened up early. He scored seventy six off eighty balls. Um, and then the rest of the lineup really didn't do a great deal. Um, Smith hit double figures, as did Callis and Flintoff, but none of the other players hit double figures. Drava got a duck. Lara got five. Olhut got one. Boucher got a duck. Did McGrath get Lara? He got him quite often. LBW. Around the wicket. LBW, Lara. Uh, yeah, well, it usually got him caught, you know, third slip gully. <laughs> So, yeah, so um, McGrath got two going at 2.8. So Lee certainly bore the brunt of Savarg, it looks like. He took one for 54, going at over six. Yeah. Um, Watson bowled six overs, going over six. And then, yeah, the spin twins of Warner McGill settled in. 
Warren three for twenty three, and uh, McGill f- uh, four for thirty nine. So yeah, I mean Warren was probably bowling, possibly one of the, like one of the best runs I reckon. When you you think about how he kept us in that oh five, well, yeah, he was certainly the peak of his powers. Forty wickets in that Ashes series, and and McGill was. If if I know McGill, he was probably back here killing it for New South Wales, just going, oh, man, could I have not have been born at least <laughs> 10 years later or earlier? Something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they knocked over um, the World Eleven for 190. That batting lineup, 190. Yeah. Um, some of the best batsmen who have played some of the best innings against Australia, like they've all had success against Australia you know, Savag's had success against Australia. Smith obviously has had success against Australia. We yeah. all know what Dravid's done to us. We've seen many innings from from Callis and Lara. Um, you know, Flintoff had just come off a, an innings, a, a, you know, such yeah. a great Ashes. He's full of confidence. Like, these guys have – it's not just like, oh, they've proven themselves against other nations and come and faced Australia and the yeah. flop. Like, these guys have come out here for their nations and have – Played phenomenal innings. Yeah, so it's not a, it's not a personnel problem. You wouldn't have thought, like, like I've said, some of those bowlers. Mira Litherin is probably the only one that yeah. I would be like, eh, an off spinner in Australia. You're keen. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably, I probably would have thrown it to to Kumble. I mean, his record would not have probably been as good in in Australia as away as in as in. Um, India, sorry. Mm. Um, but you just get the feeling with Kumble that he's that kind of guy who wouldn't let you down. I suppose, you know, Mira Lutheran was held in such high regard at this point that you were always going to pick him for a World Eleven. It was just going to happen. He was yeah. the second best spinner in the world. But, yeah, yeah. just, um, yeah, history has not been kind to Mira Lutheran in Australia. No, <laughs> no definitely not. Um, and then, but then... Flip side of that, Australia comes out for its second innings and is rolled for 190. So the bowlers, who I, when looking at that lineup, I would say the bowlers were probably a, a little short, actually did their job. Yeah. Um, Mira Litherin actually had a really good second inning. So it was starting to spin a bit. He got three for 55. Yeah. Um, and then the Quicks, you know, still maintain that there's a bit in that pitch. They took. Um, three for 40, three for 41, and three for 48, respectively. So they got themselves back into the game, and then um, fourth innings rolls around, all out for 144. Um, yeah, they're still chasing 350-odd in the fourth innings. Yeah, so they ended up losing by 210 runs in four, inside of four days. Yeah. What, what and happened? 50 overs, so all up there. So they were all dismissed in 50 overs in the first innings, and they were dismissed in uh, 47 overs in the second. So they barely batted across the six-day super test. They barely batted a day right? combined. Mm. Um, so do you think Australia played really, really well or did the the World Eleven just not gel? I think I think a bit of both, to be honest, looking yeah. at that. Um, Warren and McGill did what they always do at Sydney and they carved teams up. I mean, there was a time where they were picking Warren and McGill in the same side um, regardless of conditions. Mm. There was a time where McGill was doing that well in Sheffield Shield where they were just like McGrath, Gillespie and these guys. And that's all we'll need. (laughs) Yep, and they just Um, went and did it. Yeah, so 
Um, so I think, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Like the caliber of bats when they took to that side, I would not have thought that that's how they would have lost. I could have seen Australia putting on a whole bunch of runs mm. um, and sort of batting the World Eleven out of the game in terms of time. Yeah. Because um, they were lacking the ability to take 20 wickets. But um, they took all 20 wickets in the in the game. And the batting was just just not there. Just And and I just don't know why. I just can't mm. explain to you why. I, I think there's a little bit, of, you know, a lot of Australia were switched on. Like I said, you know, it could be a case that they're playing for a World eleven. It's a bit of a spectacle. You know, the lights aren't on quite as bright. It doesn't feel as personal for that World Eleven side because they're not out trying to win the game for their country. Yeah. And Australia, on the other hand, are razor sharp because they're stinging from an Ashes defeat. Well, the West Indies talk about that as well as as their, um, you know, West Indies not being an actual nation um, but a collection of nations. Um and they say that they they kind of suffer a little bit because of that. Mm. Um, yeah, so that that that's a factor as well. Um, but their their side would be a lot weaker if they couldn't pick from multiple. Um, yeah, they probably yeah. wouldn't be a a test eleven out of yeah Barbados or Guyana or, or yeah, yeah Trinidad well, the, and Tobago. The, some of the larger islands in that that grouping. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure of the exact reason. I'm sure if you ask the players, they would say that they were up for the contest. But I just I can't help but feel subconsciously if they weren't wearing their coat of arms on their on their chest that yeah. quality didn't quite mean as much. And and they did have un- a warm up match as well. They which they, they just beat Victoria. Yeah, um, it was a pretty close game. We In- were strong back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were so strong. They would have had Brad Hodge, um, Dave Hussey as well. Yeah. It was a very strong Cameron White would have been in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we we often did that to sides when they were touring. England have played against New South Wales and been beaten. And England have played what? against South Australia in their warm up match and been beaten. <laughs> <laughs> we just loved it. Oh yes. Yes we did. Yeah. Um I'm actually a fan of the concept. I think it's a great concept. Um yeah. and I would actually like to see this brought back and mm. be something that they do at the end of the World, at world well, Test you, Championship. You essentially get close to 22 of the best players in the world on one field. Yep. You can't lose, but somehow they did. <laughs> I, I, I would love to see, at the because I know the World Test Championship uh, wraps up, the top two ranked teams play each other at Lords. I would love for then the, the winner, like if the winner of that to host a World Eleven test. Yeah, so they get to be the host. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so for example, this World Test Championship at the moment, as it stands, is looking like it's going to be England versus, sorry, Australia versus India at Lords. Yeah, I think maybe the the problem with the concept is it, it could only be one. I don't think you'd be able to assemble all of those players from different nations for more than one standalone test. Yeah, and I think one's enough. Yeah, just do one test. Um, and then, and you just make it. I don't know. Two weeks after the final, depending on how things work out, give teams plenty of time to prepare, and you just go right. So, um, so for example, I'm going to play. The, I'm going to play the home favourites here. Australia beats India in England. Yeah. Then we face a, a World Eleven, you know, made up of you know Kuranatne and uh, Latham opening the batting, Williamson, Coley, 
mm. all those guys make up a World Eleven, and then they come out for a, a test match at the SCG or... Yeah, I love the that. MCG. I, I think that would be a great way to sort of wrap it up. Like, yeah, you've won the World Test Championship. Now let's take on the world just for a one-off sort of thing. Yeah. Likewise, if India is one that wins it, then you have you know Warner and Latham, and then you know Williamson, Smith, Smith, yeah. um, work its way through. Pick a World Eleven out of those players, and then you yeah. go to India, and you have to play a test in India, and um, just for you know, yeah, you've beaten everyone now. Beat the best of the best. That would go absolutely nuts in India. Oh, absolutely. As well. Can you imagine how hot that ticket would be? Ab- oh man, it They'd would be, be climbing a- over each other. Absolutely, it would be an astonishing. And I think that, um, yeah, I think it'd be a really great way to lend a little bit more credibility. Or uh, credibility is not the right word. Um, just just a bit of oomph to that World Test Championship because they're really trying to play up Test cricket to make it viable. It's you know. Yeah, limited overs cricket is certainly becoming the far more fancied, marketable version of cricket because it's shorter, it's more action, and it's and they're finding it hard to sell Test cricket. So that's why they put in this World Test Championship in the first place was to give yeah. some meaning to the Test matches that they're playing, other than just a bilateral series to just for the sake of beating the other team. Yeah. I think having that sort of you know celebratory gala at the end. So you've already established that, you know, India is the, the number one team in the world for that two year cycle. Yeah, and now almost, as a reward to your your great cricketing nation, you could take on the put on an exhibition match against yeah. The rest you, of the world. Yeah. I think that's great. Just so long as it's give not, the ICC a call. So long as it's uh played in Australia because we're the ones winning it all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Can I don't you know. see the green and gold that I'm wearing? Yeah, uh, but no. I, I, even if whoever wins it, I think that would be uh, uh, phenomenal, and I think the players would enjoy being part of a World Eleven as well. There's got to be a bit of a feather in your cap that, um, yeah, that you when the selectors come out to pick the best team of yeah. the world, even though it wouldn't include one nation. So one nation obviously would be exempt because they're representing. Yeah. You know, the Indians representing India, so they can't pick Kohli for a World Eleven because Kohli's going to be playing them. But I think there'd be a certain sense of, you know, players really, really get behind playing for a World Eleven. Like, it's an extra thing for them to strive for. Like, you want to be, not only do you want to play well to win test matches for your nation, but at the end of it, your performances for that two-year cycle are going to go towards putting you in, um, mm. in holding for possibly representing the world. And that could be something for some of those smaller nations like um, Shakib Al-Hassan from Bangladesh or yeah. you know, those guys that are sort of, you know, might find themselves out of the running early yeah. in that um, in that World Test Championship if they cop a, a, a bunch of defeats. Yeah. It still gives them something to strive for. Like if, you know, even if they, you know, yeah, they might even pick Rashid yeah, from Ad- Afghanistan. Adil like, Rashid might even get in there. Um, um, yeah, like a. Like, not Adil, Rashid Khan. Adil Rashid's an Englishman. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rashid Khan. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, a real incentive for someone who, who plays for a side that may not be the strongest but is a real standout in that side. Yeah, absolutely. In like a, an Andy Flower kind of. Or, or at the moment, someone like Kagizo Rabada, who is unquestionably one of the top echelon bowlers in the world, but South Africa is going through that sort of rebuilding phase at the moment, where it's um, you know, 
you know, they're struggling for consistency and uh, high level performance. Yeah. Where and you can reward players who are toiling yeah. hard for their nations to come out and go. We we recognise that you, despite the fact that you've finished sort of at the bottom end of the World Test Championship, you have been a standout performer day in day out. Yeah, I don't care who you are. You may you get that ICC World Eleven cap. You put it in a special drawer, don't you? Yeah. Or at least, you know, you know at least a special draw. <laughs> might even frame it and put it somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be that'd be my suggestion. I would love to see the uh, the World Eleven come back. Um, and I'd love to see it as a bit of a, uh, a you know, just a, an epilogue. The to other the thing World is Test it really gives the cricket tragic something to talk about. And, and all of our 11s that are theoretical... You actually get to see one yeah, in the flesh. Absolutely. Playing. Like all those, oh, I totally think that such and such would make a World Eleven. Well, yeah. here's an actual World Eleven. Yeah. Then obviously no one will be happy with that World Eleven once it's picked. So then you can yeah. argue about, I can't believe they left out Decock from the World Eleven and went with, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, whoever. Like they should have picked him. So then you can have that uh, whole interaction between the fans as well, sort of patriotic duty where they. Claiming yeah. that such and such was better than such and such. Mm. Well, it's pretty much a, a mortal sin to leave out Decock. <laughs> Sorry. You knew it was coming. Knew it was coming. <laughs> so, yes. So, that's uh, that's what I think. I'd love to hear from everyone, uh, everyone, all the listeners out there. Would you like to see, A, the uh, ICC World Eleven team come back, and B, what do you think of having it as an end of season uh, spectacular for the end of the uh, ICC a World Championship? A carnival, a gala, <laughs> a, the night of nights. It could be a day night test as well. It could, yeah, oh, it would be a full festival if it was in India. <laughs> 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 Yes, that is right. It is time to pull out the soapbox again. Unfortunately, Gary will miss out on his chance at the soapbox another time because he's unwell. So Glenn has yep. got a an issue that he's jumping up and down, bearing, just, just ready to get off his chest. Yep. And that is... Take it away, Glenn. What is oh, the, the, the unnecessary times where nothing's happening in test cricket is just infuriating um you know you, you're trying to you're trying to introduce a, a friend from i don't know america somewhere that doesn't watch cricket and well, even a friend from football in australia oh, football yeah yeah but someone who's uh, and then they, they, they just don't get the long form of the game you know maybe they can All the, oh i like the 2020s but yeah, i can't I watch test matches it's too boring that's that's a whole other rant for me but you know <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we as a game, we really just don't make it palatable. The, like the the number one thing for me that seems to hold us up is the sight screen. Um, and and if you look at the sight screen that they've got at all international grounds now, it's not just a screen. It's not this great, not just this great big massive, you know, whited out part area. They've got these these white sheets over all the chairs. Um, it goes all the way up into the second tier. Yeah, it's astonishing. Um, yeah, um, and and there's still batsmen sort of just 
just walking away and just you know the ones the ones can, that annoy can, me they can see a guy up in the second tier yeah. standing up for a beer yeah and that, like, that's going to be your why are you looking that high for like yeah. the sight screens are gargantuan not yeah. only that, and they also have sheets that cover the first run, like you said, out to the sides. And then there's a guy, a tear up that might be above the sight screen. And he's like, nah, no, 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 no. I shan't be having any of that. Thank you. I will wait until the uh, person has sat down. It's like, why are you looking into the second tier? Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know about you. We play, we're obviously not very good. But we play regular park cricket, and we don't have sight screens. We've got obviously we're not facing 145 kilometer cricket balls, but there's some transferable skills there. Yeah, we've got traffic and planes flying over, and we've got trees and playgrounds and people walking past. We've even had a domestic. Yeah, and the front uh-huh. yard of a house across the road from the ground. There's no stopping. No, you don't stop. You just, you just get on with you it. Just, yeah. Could you imagine? Nobody even pauses. They're just like, oh, okay, old mates, you know. Could you imagine if the whole crowd went that, silent and then the, and then like a marriage broke up in <laughs> Bay 13 and the batsman's <laughs> like, oh, no, no, I need to stop. That's that's too distracting. <laughs> that, that genuinely happened as well at local cricket. We, we, we heard this massive barney at one of the houses right near the – and then just someone just walked out with a box. And then there was shouting ensued, and then a car sped off and tyre screech. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is what park cricketers are going to deal with. But no, you've got like a forty foot by forty foot big metal square, and yeah. then not only that, you've got a whole section, the front section of the you know grandstands all whited out as well, and then no one above that's allowed to move. Like, yeah, yeah, it's. All right, I think I think there are, there are some really really sensitive batsmen. Chris Rogers can't see colours, <laughs> and and he still managed to average above forty. That's why he uh, doesn't play Test cricket anymore because they told him, "Oh, we're going to play um, yeah. day night cricket," and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to uh, take a game I, off. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't see the pink ball, but I'm not yeah. going to play every other Test. So I'll just if I can't play them all, then I won't play any. So and there were still. Probably some some blokes watching at home on their armchairs going, "What a soft bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's that, and then there's you know you, you can also, I don't know, you could you could there, there's got to be a way to monitor people who sit near the sight screen, and just maybe just give them a little quiz, five questions about the laws of cricket, <laughs> because. You know that if it was you or you or me, and we're sitting behind the bowler, we're not standing up as the bowler's coming in. No, and we're not uh, wearing red. And yeah, we're, yeah, we're not. You know, I don't know, using our watch. Well, look, I can use the reflection, or you know, like if you get a knowledgeable crowd sitting behind there, you're not going to have the same things. I think, I think the batsmen are a little bit oversensitive in that, but. Yeah, the crowd should be more educated as well. Absolutely. But I think, like, realistically, like, the sight screens were a certain size because they deemed that this was the appropriate size for a cricketing sight screen. And then all of a sudden it's just expanded from there. Like, at what point is enough enough? What point yeah. do cricketers, uh, like, park cricketers don't have sight screens. They've got to play just whatever's in front of them. And, like, yeah. at what point do we say to the test cricketers, like, okay, we get it, you're facing the very best of the best, but... We've blanked out, you know, 
half of the stadium in front of your eye line. Yeah. Like, how much more do you need? Mm. Yeah. <sighs> it's just, yeah. It's like, and things like that, it's just where you, you explain to people, so yes, it goes from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. Yes, for the next five days. Yes, there's a chance it could be a draw. Yeah. Yes, um, at the end of five games of this series, yes, 25 days of cricket. Yes, all going from 10 till 6. Yes, it could still be a draw. It yeah. could, yeah, yes. I mean, How do you explain to that? And then you've got to say, what are they stopping for? Oh, because someone opened a door in the second tier <laughs> and the reflection sort of got in the batsman's eyes and he didn't want to bat anymore until he stopped moving. Like, it's just, yeah, it just... <laughs> When you really think about it objectively, that is absurd. The other one that happens a whole lot is um, changing the ball. We all know that the captain's trying to change the ball because it's out of shape, but how many times do they throw it to the umpire and just go, oh, it's out of shape? Yeah, it's just like a wing and a prayer. It's like, and then they, they, and the umpires know what they're doing. Yeah, they're not stupid. Yeah, they're exactly. Like, yeah, the yeah. umpire has to get his get the the special like ring thing out where it goes through one, but it doesn't go through the other. Um, they just they know Coley's just hit four boundaries in that over, and the ball hasn't yeah. swung for a day and a half. They, they know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, I think it's out of shape. They should just be like, no, it's not, mate. Like, yeah, just well, ball. I remember like they do it every time now. They put it through the rings and, and check mm. it. But I remember back, I don't know, in that great period called the 90s, um, I remember the, the commentators used to talk about it. Um, you know, be like, oh, McDermott's uh, just throwing the ball to the umpire. He, he thinks it's out of shape. And the, the umpire just threw it back to him and goes, well, bowl it again. Maybe when he hits it, it'll go back into shape. <laughs> <laughs> and more often than not, it did because they hit it that hard. Yeah, those well, days. Yeah, they did hit it hard. And like reviewing some of the footage of, um, yeah, like some of the harder hitters were like I don't know, Steve Waugh, as if it was a cut shot. If it was a cut shot, he would hit that real hard. It would just go like a you know tracer bullet along the ground. Kitchen sink was certainly thrown yeah. those cut shots. It was the yeah. only shot he played. So we're going to throw everything into that. Yeah. Sick of wearing these on the chest. I'm going to short and <laughs> wide. Bam, I'm getting four runs for this. I might not see another one for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the the ball, changing the ball, we know what they're doing. We understand it, but how about you just bowl the ball? You know, just do your best with that one. Well, the other thing that really irritates me is the batsmen that take forever to take guard. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's a bit, it's a little bit funny because we've it, got, it happens locally as well. Because we've got Steve Smith, one of my favourite cricketers, and he's got like that forty-five step program of yeah. fidgeting to get ready for the next ball. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, don't anyone at home do not take this as cricketing advice because I'm a terrible batsman. But when I get to the crease, I don't even ask for centre. I've just got it's the mark, the last guy I put down, right? That's just that's just our work, like I'm. Yeah. I'll occasionally ask for center, but most of the time I'm just you like... You trust the other guy. Just trust the other guy. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, they ask for center and they go on these ridiculous sort of, like, they'll wander out to deep square leg. And, I want you, you know, to give me two and a half feet outside leg, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, in local cricket, 
the guy who takes center to leg is considered a bit of a wanker. <laughs> center to leg. So some of the umpires don't know what that is. <laughs> so they just say, "Oh yeah, that's it, mate." Yeah, just on the face. <laughs> You can almost see them going, oh. <laughs> Especially if it's just, if you're asking your own team, like when we have to umpire ourselves and you go to your teammate, oh, I've sent the leg, thanks. And you, you just see them look in their eyes. They're like, what? Yeah. What? What do you? Yeah, there's good. This guy's going to go back to the pub and order a cruiser. <laughs> um. But yeah, and, and local cricket, it irritates the hell out of me. Like, again, bowling, at, facing 145 kilometre per hour bowling, you take all the steps you can. But the guys that do it at local cricket, they'll like just have these ridiculous pre delivery routines that just go on and on and on. And it's like, come on. On, you know, you're just gonna mow it to cow corner for the first three overs, and you're either gonna get caught in the deep or you're gonna get bowled. Like, why are you putting us through this? Like, you don't even face up on middle. You ask for center, you put it out on the edge, you scratch it out, you wander down maybe just like a foot outside and put a little scratch there so it's in line, and then you put both feet outside leg. Like, what's the point? And then, and then, and then, when he faces up, he just clears the front leg and swings anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Just yes. Just some of the, you're right. Some of the stuff that goes through to slow the game down is mm. incredibly unnecessary. And then you're sort of sitting there. You got that cringe, especially if you're watching with friends that you don't just, know about cricket, and you're like, <sighs> "Don't ask me about what he's doing. Don't ask me about what he's doing. Please, 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 yeah. please." What's he doing that for? Damn it! Um, it, I, I, nah. it almost makes it like there. There have been a couple of occasions where I've sneaked away to watch the cricket. Like it's like it's something shameful. Like like you're watching the adult channel. You know, like <laughs> oh, look. I know everybody hates this, but I love it. And I. But the thing is, I can't enjoy it when I know that other people are hating on it the whole time. That's right. You just need it on your phone. You can just sit there and be antisocial and yes. You know, like, it's, yeah, there's got to be, I don't know, girlfriend-friendly rules or something. <laughs> it's L- it's out LBW because it just is. It just is, yeah. you got to explain You got to explain to the girlfriend who's, you know, already fronted up to the, the game for you why they're not doing anything. Uh, and the worst thing about that is she's asking that question and you, you're going to explain it to her and she doesn't care. No. She won't remember that in an hour. No. She just doesn't understand in the moment. It's probably come out of her mouth and what's going through her head at that time is, oh, I don't care. What did I ask that for? Now he's going to spend the next 10 minutes explaining to oh, why am I here? On, on the plus side, if you get one that suffers through that, you know you've got a keeper. Or if you get one where someone else asks, why is it at LBW? And she goes, because it hit him inside the line of the stumps and yeah. it was going on to hit and he didn't offer a shot. Yeah. He doesn't need to offer a shot. And it explains, you just just get on one knee and propose then and there. Yeah, Even if it's somebody it. else's girlfriend. If she understands the LBW rule, she, she really gets you. Yeah. This has gone from a rant to dating advice. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> And another segment of local cricket heroes coming up. David Bowie singing us in there. 
Um, and like we said in the intro, uh, we're going to talk about our good friend and hopefully more avid listener after this one of the podcast, Simon. Yeah. Uh, Simon uh, has been around the club forever and ever, well over 10 years since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. Um, he's done everything from the club, from captain teams to secretary to treasurer, president. Yeah. Um, taking out clubman of the year. Taking out clubman of the year. Um, always Pro- does. Probably should have got it another three or four times. Probably. He's always one of those political things. He's got it before. He can't get it again. Yeah. Um, always at training and all that sort of stuff. He did get married and now he's not playing cricket anymore. <sighs> I don't know if the two are connected. <laughs> well, no, he, I'm just throwing it out there. He, that- he insists that they're not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd take his word for it. Um, yeah. You, he he gave us he gave us the best years of our, of his life I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, we should have blocked out the twenties was all cricket with the boys and then yeah. now he's growing up and doesn't want to play anymore. But yes, he's been a, a phenomenal member of the club, and he's just there with, as you could imagine, over a ten year career with the club. There are some phenomenal stories. Um, Glenn, uh, we were just talking about our favourite one off air just then, so I think we should yeah. lead in with that story because it okay. is truly, I think, sums up what sort of a bloke Simon was. Yeah. Okay, so we were playing a team, I forget, I think it was the City Colts. It doesn't matter because not everyone's from Bathurst, so they don't know who that is. So anyway, um, Simon, I'm pretty sure he was batting. He may not have been, but either way, he was captaining our side for that game. And uh, there was a catch where it was, you know, a kind of loopy one and, and two guys ran into each other quite violently. And when that happens, usually the guy who had his hand on the ball drops it. You know, you go, well, you know. This was like I, a- I don't like to think that people – got hurt, but I'm not out and I'll take it as a batsman because you take any slice of luck that you can when you're batting. But I don't know how, but somehow these two guys ran into each other and even though they were both knocked out cold, one of them still had their hand wrapped around the ball. No, no, no. it's even better. So they, they weren't both knocked out cold. One of them was knocked out cold, and he was the one that had there's like a death grip. He just like yeah, yeah, right. lights went out, and he just held onto it. All oh, right, so the one who was knocked out held took the ball. The cat. Yeah, oh, yeah, and just it yeah, was yeah, unbelievable. Right. It was like war guilt. It was like war Gillespie level impact. Like yeah, you yeah, wouldn't yeah. have seen a harder. It hit. was ugly. It was obviously <laughs> our AFL fields are now one a dual purpose, so they play cricket on them in the summer and AFL in the winter. There wouldn't have been a harder hit in that football season than on this ground. Like it was rock solid. Like yeah. I, I was, uh, you know, from that ground, you're a fair way away because it's up a hill, sort of thing, yeah. where the rest of the team sits. And I was, a, and you just hear it clear as a day that just that thud, and you're like, wow. <laughs> That's and then right. you just then there was just all the air got sucked out because you're like, that would have hurt. And then there was that look of realization he still got the ball like, yeah yeah and and then you get that thing where it's like only against the bushies would that happen <laughs> anyway simon's got out and for some reason none of us 
could take him. I, I suppose two of us would well, have been umpiring. They were opening the batting. Simon was opening the batting at the time, so the rest right. of us were still waiting to bat. Right, yeah. So, so he, he, yeah, okay, so you didn't – with our side, even if you're batting at nine, once the openers get out, you're sort of thinking, well, <laughs> I've got a bat. Better pad, better pad up yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So Simon had to take the guy who caught him out – and somehow wrapped his hand around. He had to take him to hospital because he was concussed. And his teammates were obviously fielding. The rest of it, our team was getting ready to either umpire, score, or bat. Yeah. So Simon's trudged off the field going, how on earth am I out? And then, oh, I better take you to He's the hospital. He's take the guy who caught him out to the hospital. <laughs> that is a true local cricket story, I think. Like that's that's the best. We started with the best, I think. Yeah. We just we remembered that and we're like, wow, we have to put that in there. I think we lost that game by like one run too. It was it, yeah, it was it was, it was that crazy one. Um, it was a pretty tight game. Yeah. Um yeah, and what else? There was that there's been uh, there's been some some stuff up from Simon. There was that time where he went to go and field the ball. It was on um so it was on a ground renowned for just having basically a corrugated iron outfield. That's how flat it was. Yeah. And Simon's dived down to uh, to save the ball. It was a pretty tight run chase. It has smashed him in the face and uh, broken his glasses. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh, well, we're we're pretty much out of the the." Yeah, yeah. Well, this was it was a final. It was a final, but it was a two day final. And um, so what had what had happened is we were against uh, a village around here called um, Perthville, and they had beaten us first innings. Um, I think they set a score, and we were I don't know hundred to fifty short. And so, really, the second day should have been just like oh, we'll shake hands, and that can be the game or whatever. Um, but. We had decided as a team that we weren't going to give up until they were 100 ahead. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they went out and they, they smashed some runs because they were pretty confident that they were not going to get beaten outright from there. And, uh, yeah, Simon gets a catch in the in the outfield and misjudges it and it just hits him square in the classes. Um, yeah. Blood everywhere, just chaos. Like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't on the bounce. It didn't hit him in the hands. It just hit him straight in the face. Um, <laughs> and um, it's funny now. It, it probably it wasn't real funny at the time. I remember I was I was at first slip and I was like, we we just kind of stopped and, and then just started running towards him. And I was as as the vice captain, I was like, okay. That's us. That's us. You know, let's just shake hands. That's our season. Congratulations to the other team. Simon was still keen to go on. Yeah, like yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. He, trying <laughs> he won't to, give up. Trying to see through blood running down his face. He's like, no, no, we're good. We're good. You can't make that call. I'm the captain. I was like, <laughs> can't captain while you you're on the ground like picking glass out of your eyes. Um, yeah, so that's, that's another story. Um, yeah. And the other one, I don't think I was at this game, but it was a, it was a good classic local cricket game. So I'll let, I'll let you take it there as. Oh, we're, we're talking about his run out, are we? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was, this was great. <laughs> so we're, um, we're, we're well on top, uh, of this particular game. 
Um, the uh, the guy, the, the sort of the last guy that's really got was giving us trouble when he was sort of steering towards a relatively competitive target. He was he was batting comfortably and um, hit Simon this regulation catch at sort of shortish mid wicket. It was about chest height. Had to take probably a couple of steps to his left. But he's left-handed anyway. He sort of hit him square in the hands, just about, you know, sort of a half lean. It was more of a lean than a dive. One that he would swallow all the time because I know we've, we've picked up two stories where he's dropped relatively straightforward catches, but Simon is actually a very good field. Yeah, yeah, he is very good. Um, like probably, you know, safest hands. Um, yeah. Spills it, goes down. The whole team's head just goes down because this guy was like, he was looked effortless just the way he batted. We were, we were doing all right against everyone else. So probably four or five down. We're doing well. But this guy, every time, just, I don't think he'd miss hit one all day. Yeah. Um, and then, so we've gone, no, he's dropped it. How has he dropped that? We're never going to get a chance like that. And so the, the non-strikers just sort of went, oh, he's dropped it. Yes, run. And then Simon, without missing a beat, has just picked it up and just flicked it Mark War style and run him out. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> right, so it's a, a dolly of the catch that he missed. And then and then one stump to aim at at the bowler's end. Just <laughs> knocks them out. From side on as well. And, and he oh, was just God. like, and you know, I think Simon said something cheeky like, oh, I just didn't want you to have the wicket, whoever was bowling. <laughs> All right. Just to get away, just a bit of a you know a rag grin on his face, right. and which was because the the bowler had said something like he couldn't just catch it. I've been bowling all day and haven't got anything. And I, he think could, was, I think it was Beery. It might have been. Yeah. Anyway. I do know that he like he was probably one of the few that hadn't picked up wickets, and he was bowling probably the best out of all of us there that day. Yeah. And um and yeah, he just he was the only guy that actually looked like remotely troubling his batsman. Hadn't had anything all day, and then he finally gets him to. He should have been out and dropped it. He was just like, "Oh my god, why can't I get anything?" <laughs> um, the best thing that I think though about Simon, other than the um, taking the person to a hospital story, was when he um, when he became captain of the second grade side. <laughs> yeah, and he got it in the with curfew. this the curfew. <laughs> he was like, "We need to start taking second grade a bit seriously. We can't." Um, we we can't just take it like pub cricket. We you know we were well we're punching well above our weight. We were not a very good side. We needed everything to go our way as it was. So we wanted us to treat it very seriously. So you know you know, tried hard to sort of encourage you know, yeah. more attendance at training, um, and then put an eleven p.m. curfew on the on, Friday on the Friday for the pub. And at that point well, in our a- cricketing club's history. Yeah. Yeah. 11 p.m. might as well have been before dark because exactly. we were not finishing up no, at 11 it, it, o'clock. It, it doesn't seem all that unreasonable now that, you know, I'm mid-30s, you, you've just gone past the 3 Yep, that's That seems pretty reasonable, but back then... In our early 20s, we were know, like, whatever, yeah, we're yeah, not exactly. going home at 11. Are you it, crazy? It, it, became, it became a thing to violate curfew <laughs> it was, by as many as, as much as possible. And then I think it became like a thing to try and force Simon himself to, to violate curfew. curfew so that we didn't have to feel bad about it. 
because <laughs> Simon Simon was religiously for that for that season was gone by nine thirty on a Friday night before because that's yeah. basically how our our summer worked, which is probably why we didn't win too many games, is because we would train Friday afternoons five p.m. till about you know six thirty seven, depending on how things went. We'd go to the pub, we'd do our raffle, do some fundraising, have a dinner. And then we'd just drink until we couldn't feel feelings anymore yeah. and trudged on home, woke up in the morning going, no, I don't want to play cricket today. And then we'd rock up to the cricket ground and play cricket. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, but and Simon. those days you, you would then go out after the game. Yeah. And do the like, same thing Saturday night and then wake up Sunday and go, I don't want to go to work on so, Monday. Some days I wouldn't even change out of my cricket white. <laughs> You'd be at. You'd be at the ENC at, at 3 o'clock in the morning as yep. they were closing, still wearing your cricket whites that you'd played in that day. Yeah, just went straight from the game to our pub and then from our pub to the next pub to the next pub to the last pub Yeah, and then home. Those were the days. But, yes, Simon, that was religiously out of there no later than 9.30. And then about Christmas time it was more – because he just realised that this curfew was not really a thing, <laughs> then became our mission to get Simon there later and later. And I think maybe twice yeah. we managed to keep him out past curfew. Yeah, it was we didn't do very well. And if it was past curfew, it was before midnight. But uh, that was great. I love that. It was just um, it just been how the club worked for so long. And he was like, "We're gonna go home no later than 11. and yeah. you could. Yeah, you could just hear the laugh. At it's least like you've got no chance, mate. At least we didn't try and fake him out, though. We were pretty, we were pretty transparent. It's not like we all, you know, sort of like, oh yeah, I, I think I'll go home too, Simon, and then just like faking to leave the pub and then just going around the block and coming back in the front door. <laughs> yeah, he was well aware from the get go that um, the curfew was not a yeah <laughs> was was not going to go well. Yeah. It was um yeah so uh, if you can't tell we've got nothing but love and adoration for Simon he was he was such a key key member of our cricket club yeah um he's gonna play this year <laughs> no it's not gonna happen he better he better <laughs> yeah he's um yeah, we've got him locked in for a celebrity celebrity appearance yeah or or twenty once every year <laughs> at least. He owes us. He didn't play last year. Did I know. He? He's got a. He's got okay. Two celebrity. He's two, two. You're on notice, Simon. Yeah, on notice. Two appearances. <laughs> we'll tee it up with Nicola. Yep. We'll keep her occupied for the day, and then you can come and play cricket again. Yeah. The scheming never ends. <laughs> but no, that uh, I'm sure you've all got out there. We do this every week. We go do it again. I'm sure everyone out there who plays cricket competitively has got a Simon at their club. Someone who's been around the fabric of the club forever and just does everything for them. Just that you know, lovable guy that is impossible to hate. Like Simon, you know, he's held positions on our committee. He's a captain. He's got such a great cricketing brain. Um, you said it yourself that if Simon came back to the club and had any aspirations to captain, I mean, you typically have been the guy that's been yeah. been our captain, and you said it yourself. If Simon came back and said, "I'm I'm fresh, I'm ready to go, I want a captain to side," you would have no qualms in stepping aside and giving it to to yeah. Simon. He's just that sort of cricketer. He just 
He understands what's going on. He's just one of those genuine yeah. cricket tragics that he doesn't get. He, he grew it, up a little bit, so damn him. He's always so positive as well, <laughs> the captain. <laughs> yeah. I just can never get my head around that part. Of he's being certainly captain. not Captain Grumpy, at least not on the ground. He's he's had a bit of a whinge every now and then when things haven't gone his way, but it's uh, hard to ruffle his feathers on the field. Yeah, I reckon. So. Even broken noses and broken glasses Glasses. don't do it to him so yeah but yes um so again all you guys out there keep sharing those stories that you've got if you've got any just actual genuine good guy heroes not just the ironic ones that we've been sharing if you've got one a guy out there that is just yeah the heart and soul of your club and uh want to share his story or her story feel free to, to write in and we'll give him a shout out in the next episode. Yep. Um, if you've got a rant of your own that you want to just get off your chest, we'd love to hear that too. It's one of our favorite parts of the show is just coming up with stuff that we just <laughs> ticks us off. Yep. And um, yeah, why not just as a bit of a fun exercise moving out, make your predictions for the world test championship going forward. Who's going to be in the final, who's going to win the final. And then Make your World eleven based off the team who is going to be playing against them in the final. So if you think that uh, England's going to go on a charge and come home strong and mm. win the World Test Championship, make your World eleven using players, the, the rest of the players. If you think Australia's got this one, make your World eleven using no Australian players. If you think that India is going to continue their march on, that they've started really strong in this World Test Championship, make a World eleven. now. Uh, with yep. only with no Indian players in it, we'd love to hear what uh, what everyone thinks at this point. Now that cricket's just around the corner and this uh, World Test Championship's about to resume, where do you we think we're at? Who's? Well, I'll I'll do my eleven. You, you're going to do an eleven. Yep, I'll definitely. Yeah, I love making eleven. So. Let's announce them next episode, and and you can compare. Yeah, if you've you've sent one in, no worries. We'll do that. So yeah, in the in the week to come, give us a shout out on Facebook or Twitter. Who do you think is A, going to be taking part in the World Test Championship final? B, who's going to win it? And C, what's the World Eleven going to be that's going to take them on? Love to hear from you all. Um, and that'll do us for this week. And yep. we will catch up with you all either during the week on Facebook and then next week when we come back to tally the results. See you guys. Have a good one. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.